Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You give me one shot here on a blue chip stock. And believe me, Kevin, the only problem I'm going to have is that you didn't buy more. Nobody knows if the stock is going to go up, down, sideways, or in circles. What's going on, NBA Draft fans? Your boys are back. The Wolves of Ball Street, the Draft Act, NBA Draft Podcast. My name is Corey Tulliba. I am here, as always, with my co-host, Garbage Time, Albert, Gim, and Albert. Today's a very, very fun episode because we got a special guest. Yoda's in the building, y'all. We got Rashad Phillips of Sports Talk 2319. Shad, what's going on, man? Oh, appreciate you. Thanks for having me, fellas. It's a... It's a- it's a fantastic time of year for all of us, man. So I'm excited. Thanks for having me, though. Yes, sir. And um, I'm really excited to have you on this episode today. I know Albert is as well, because we're talking about one of, I think, the more intriguing prospects in this draft class, somebody that I think has a very mixed um, fan base. You know, there are some people that are have gotten to be completely out. There are some people that have held on to their draft stock. And uh, I'm talking about the G League Ignites, Jaden Hardy. Oh. So we're we're going to get into it today. Okay. Um, all right. I'm going to break down uh, Mr. Hardy, his measurements right now. So yeah. G League Ignite guard, 19 years old. He'll be 19 on draft night. Yeah. 6'4", 190, reported 6'9", wingspan. 19 points per game, 4.2 rebounds, 3.6 assists, 3.3 turnovers, 0.2 blocks, 1.3 steals. Field goal percentage, 38% from the field, three-point percentage, 31% free throw percentage, 80.2. Stock price, preseason. And this is where things get interesting, right? Because preseason, Jaden Hardy was ranked number three on ESPN. He was ranked number three on Basketball News, three on Bleacher Report, three on Tankathon, three on – or number nine on SB Nation. Average stock price of 4.2. He came in as the number three overall prospect right. on the Draft Act IPO. Currently, yeah. though, yeah. ESPN has him at 24. <laughs> the Athletic has him at 22. <laughs> Tankathon has him at 24. Basketball News at 19. Bleacher Report at 19. Sports Illustrated, 28. The Ringer has him at 12. No ceilings. We have him rounding at the lottery at 14. That's an average stock price of 20.25. So we've seen a drop in stock. This is not uncommon. Patrick Baldwin Jr., Peyton Watson, you know, a lot, Caleb Houston, a lot of these prospects come in. Yeah. Not everybody's situation is the same. Things happen. So I ask you, we'll start with you, Rashad. (laughs) Is Jaden Hardy's stock price too high, too low, or just right currently? at about 20.25. I think it's low. I do because here, here here's why. We got to take into account he just played professional basketball for a year. That's right. <laughs> he That's didn't right. play college like I, I truly believe Jaden Hardy would have dominated college basketball because he's a jump shooter. Jump shooters dominate college basketball. Period. Right. Guys that can sure. stretch the floor and make three-point shots dominate i think Jaden hardy would have been like the like a bigger version of like guys like uh curry jimmer for like guys like that that can just knock down high volume threes like three or four three-pointers made a game mm-hmm. he would have been that type of player at the college level so you put Jaden on like a kentucky you know like one of these type of teams sure. yeah. even a michigan or something like just imagine what he would do because of this jump shooting. Now at the pro level, you got to get adjusted to a lot of things outside of the game. Like the, yeah. you know, getting acclimated to professional coaches, you know, uh, holding yourself accountable opposed mm-hmm. to a college coach holding you a- accountable. Like there's a lot of factors that went into that. So the season that he had as a professional, for me, it, it keeps him in the top seven for me because he mm-hmm. did it as a okay. professional. 
Correct. Now, I mean, that's just how I look at it. It's a different game from college too. The rules are different. Totally different you, you're you, the, you're not playing defense the same way. You know, no. the, the, the paint's not packed necessarily. You can't just sit and and park under the hoop. You got the rules are different. There there are things that you're learning coming yes. from, especially with especially with Jaden Hardy. And and this is something I wanted to to add. I'll I'll, I'll, I'll let Albert go with where he thinks, yeah. and then mm-hmm. I'm going to ask you some some questions. Sure, sure, sure. No, sure. no I, I 100% agree with everything that Rashad just said. Just because for me, dude, you watch the way that his season started, right? And that's when he really started to fall down boards because people were saying, what's wrong with the shooting numbers? What's going on with the turnovers? Blah, blah, blah. The thing that I absolutely loved about Hardy, and I have him number eight on my board, the reason why I still love him to death, I had him number one, dropped him to number eight, but he's still up there for me. And the reason why is because I felt like the G League coaches really challenged him to work on the things that he wasn't good at. Correct. right, Or the things that he needed to grow in, right? You watch his playmaking, from the beginning of the year till now, and Whoa. he's made great strides. If Fact. you watch his last three, four games, and you watch the pick-and-roll ESP connection that he had with Amir Johnson, I, that was one of the main things that I wrote down in my notes. I was like, this is an insane amount of growth from Hardy that, yes. to be honest, I didn't know he was going to be able to show. But some of the passes that he was throwing at Amir Johnson, and you see Amir Johnson react to it. This is a guy who played in the league for a very long time. Yes. He's catching these passes finishing with labs and he's pointing at Hardy like, Hey, Hey dude, that that's an NBA level pass, you know? And so for me, I think Rashad, like I a hundred percent agree that the level of play was different, but also what he was asked to do. It it felt like he was asked to do things outside of his comfort level to prepare him for the next level, which is the NBA. And so if you consider how he took all that on and continued to develop throughout the year, you look at his stats, the last five, six games of the season, you're like, Oh, uh, he's really starting to develop here. And it, it, it gets you excited to see what he's going to be like on the next level. And then we start, I mean, we're going to get into more deeper things with him, but that alone, I was like, yeah, that, that stock price is way too low for me. And I just cannot, no matter how hard I tr- may have tried, can't drop him out of my top 10 right now. No, you so can't do it. The other thing with the G League Ignite is it's not as easy to watch their games for no. people. You know, that they're not on ESPN all the time. Right. Sometimes they are. Um, you can find some of their games on YouTube sometimes, but it's actually like a struggle. Like you have to like finagle the YouTube app and click through links. It's like, so, so when you're talking about, you know, maybe some of these outlets, I'm sure these guys are watching the games as well. I think there's a little bit of group think sometimes where you see a low ranking, you feel like you need to drop that down. I think the general like draft Twitter space, a lot of people probably aren't watching as many ignite games as right. Yeah. Uh, as Duke. Um, so I think that's another thing that has kind of hurt his stock. It's the availability. It's the mystery. You you just Correct. don't. Jan Montero, same thing with the overtime elite. You know, I know for a fact, you don't even see conversation about him on draft Twitter. So I know people aren't really watching him too much, but I want to ask you something. You said he went from high school to the pros. Yeah. That's not new, right? There, there's right. a long history of people doing that. Correct. But, but what is new? And I say this personal experience. You know, I've been coaching varsity basketball for almost 10 years. Yeah. The last few years, from a developmental standpoint, I feel like have been very challenging for high school players. Going through the pandemic, having inconsistent opportunities to play high-level basketball. Um, now, Jaden Hardy, obviously, he, it's he's not like, you know, some random public school kid who will struggle to – find a gym to work out in but in his state you know i'm pretty sure he he bypassed his senior year um for high school so that's a very important time for him he's not playing he doesn't have as many opportunities playing aau the whole world shut down right he didn't have that opportunity during these very important developmental times and a lot of what he's doing right it's just the natural talent and in a normal circumstance he might have been you know, playing high-level AAU. Maybe he joins the FIBA team. He didn't play the FIBA U19s, right? You, you see how how much that helped yeah. Johnny Davis, how much it helped Jaden Ivey, some of those guys. Yeah. So I, I think he missed out on a lot of developmental opportunities due to circumstances that aren't necessarily under his control. And you you add that to the fact that now he's making that extra jump to playing professional hoops and you can speak from personal experience. You played in this league, correct? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I was actually right. the first. I was the first guard drafted in the G League history. So makes me feel so, old, but 
like tell me what's Legend. it like playing in that league right everybody's hungry right yeah it's a it's it's different man this is it's not like college it's not like high school it's not like pickup it's um these are grown men right these are grown men trying to fight for jobs i mean i was i had teammates with like you know, with, with three kids, you know, mm-hmm. you know, families, right. I'm 22 years old. I'm just trying to, you know, so it's, it's yeah. different. So we have to take into account when we're looking at these draft draft prospects, the, the role they're taking, right. Like mm-hmm. that's a, that's a role less travel that, that, that he took, you know, he could have, I think college would have been the easy route. Mm-hmm. For 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 Jaden, I thought it, yeah. I thought it would have been an easy route. Imagine him right now on on Duke. Oh, he'd help with Duke spacing. I'll tell you that. I saw him last yeah. week. Oh, <laughs> See yeah. what I'm saying? Like the narrative changes if you put Jaden Hardy on Duke. He's a now he's a top five player mm-hmm. just because you put him at Duke. Yeah. Now he, <laughs> he's dropping to 25 on some people's boards because he took a role less travel. I don't think that's fair. So when I when I evaluate players. Mm-hmm. I try to evaluate the individual skill. Right. And I try to take that individual skill and place it at the highest level. So um, so you have to imagine Jaden Hardy with the Detroit Pistons. How would he fit? He will fit perfectly with Cade Cunningham at the dual forward looking to make plays. And Jaden is not attracting the the top defenders and making shots. Like you have to you have to take that into account. And I think a lot of, you know, draft Twitter or whatever you want to call it, right. they don't take an account of the individual skill set that is mm. transferable. Right. Aiden Hardy has a transferable skill set. Right. And, you know, one of the things that I think has hurt the G League Ignite this year versus last year, where I think like Jalen Green benefited from it. Last year, they had Bobby Brown and Jared Jack running the point guard position. For it was them. easy right. for them. Right. They didn't have to go in and and make those high level decisions that Correct. you're not used to at that speed, right? Because Bobby right. Brown is a legend overseas. Jared right. Jack is a long, you know, how many years right. did he play in the league? These guys yeah. were able to guide them into being the players, right? So Scoot Henderson, tremendous talent, right? For Unbelievable. Sure. Yeah, for sure. But he's yeah. 17. He's 17. Still a kid. He's not the player he's gonna be when he's 26. Correct. You know, Tyson Daniels, I love Tyson Daniels. Yes. But he's you know, these are these are all kids trying to figure it out together. So I, I think that you have that. You also have, and look, I I don't know if there's any hardcore empirical evidence, but I know a lot of people theorize that the bubble shooting in a gym without you know spectators has mm. helped a lot of players. Um, you know, with their percentages, there's some truth know. to that. Yeah, I I believe it. You know, yeah. I, I mean, it, I, one year, small sample, whatever. But last year, the G League Ignite, when they played their games, they played in that Orlando bubble themselves. A, there's some truth to that. So I, you know, I, I do think that there there are some circumstances this year that has made it tougher on these G League Ignite pro, uh, products, and I, I think that you know, I think we have to take that into account. Um, yeah. Now let's let's talk about his shooting, right? Because. Look, I'll be honest. I found out about Jaden Hardy a few years ago because you posted a clip of him. And yeah. I was like, it took me one clip. I was like, this kid looks like Dame Lillard and Jason Tatum, like yeah. the guard version combined, right? Like his his shooting was insane. His his uh, range was bordering on absurd. Yeah. It hasn't translated percentage-wise this year, right? Mm-hmm. Um, What do you think is the reason that the shots haven't fallen like you would expect it to with a shooter as smooth as him. With Jaden, right? Yeah. Well, uh, again, the adjustment to playing against bigger, faster, mm-hmm. <laughs> grown men. Like, yeah. he's a kid playing against a 24-year-old, right? Like, yeah. that's a huge age gap. Big time. Big time. Yeah, so playing against grown men, getting used to the speed of the professional game – it's just I, I I don't think people really understand like how fast these guys are and how strong they are and how, how quick that and how quick they close. Mm-hmm. That I think that was just the percentages does percentages never bother me with shooters at all, mm-hmm. at all. Like yeah. and I, you know like I was a great shooter 
I had moments where I couldn't hit the side of a barn, right? I right. couldn't throw yeah. a rock in the ocean. But with shooters, you have to trust they will figure it out over time. Yes. This was a this is a very small sample size of, of, of mm-hmm. percentages. We cannot we cannot base his entire career off him playing 26 games in a G League and say, well, he's only a 38. I still I look at Jaden as a a, a, a 39, 38% three-point shooter at the NBA level once he gets comfortable. Mm-hmm. Imagine Jaden playing with a, a, a Trey Young in Atlanta, right. right? When Trey's drawing all that attention and he's kicking it out. Look at Kevin Herter and those guys. Those guys are shooting open shots. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Jaden Hardy not going to keep missing those type of shots. Trust me. Yeah. Because he's a shooter by nature. I, I actually want to ask you, what, what do you think his – ideal role is in the NBA because when I watch him you know and look I I had him number one on my board coming in I thought you look at the trend Jalen Green Anthony Edwards like that kind of shooting guard yeah teams really value that right yeah as as I watched the games <clears throat> my evaluation changed a little bit yeah to where I don't know if he has that same on-ball equity as those guys and I agree I, and I think that the things that I really liked that stood out is how he moves off the ball, how he gets open, how he's running off screens, that. coming out and pin downs. When he's when he's playing point five basketball, getting the ball off a screen, giving it up, relocating. That's the kind of stuff that I thought he looks like. You know, he's one of the best in the class at. It's not necessarily stuff that shows up on a stat sheet. Yeah. And I feel like he looks a lot more comfortable right now doing that kind of stuff or than creating. Now, like Albert said, I mean, he's done – a phenomenal job of looking more comfortable with that. Yes. He's no longer barreling into three guys in the paint because now he yeah. knows where the rotations are coming from and he knows that he's either got to pull up, kick. So he's gotten better. And I think that trend is going to continue. But I really think that, like you say, you put him around a guy like Trey or a guy like Cade, where he doesn't have to handle the ball, Correct. make those decisions all the time. That's the kind of role I think I want to see him in. I don't know. Right. I don't know if, you know, if, I mean, te- NBA teams are smart. I'm sure you know they're they're they seeing a lot they, of the same so, things. They know what to do with them. So here's here's my thing. Yeah, and, and hear me out, Albert. Hear, hear me out, guys. Here's here's Jade and Hardy's NBA comp. Okay, I'm a, I'm gonna give it to you guys first on your show. Okay, all right. I had it tucked away for a while, but I'll give it to you guys. Exclusive. He's buddy. He's buddy Hill. Oh. Have that in my notes. We do a segment. We do a segment on. If you bought stock in this prospect, who may you have bought stock in previously? Buddy Heald's my he's, is my he's guy. Buddy Heald. He's Buddy mm-hmm. Heald. Yep. And Buddy came in. He was what twenty four when he came to the league, right? Played in college a long time, a little bit more ready, right? But you see the path that Jaden mm-hmm. can get to. He's Buddy Heald, and that's and that's a compliment. Mm-hmm. Like, like he's a bucket. Buddy Heald he, gets buckets. Yeah. In NBA. He's, he's a bucket. <laughs> Mm-hmm. He's he's worth a hundred million dollars. Yeah, like, right. I'll, I'll take that comp. <laughs> yeah, look, you want somebody wants Wait. to call me Buddy Hill and throw me a hundred million? I'll take it. I'm not gonna pass it, it up. You no, can okay. Whatever you want for <laughs> for a hundred mil. <laughs> Rashad, I I think the Buddy Hill comp is fantastic. Like I, I both of you guys, I, I didn't even think of that. I've had a comp that I've been saying okay. all season long. Now I. Once again, my comp is not a one for one. I really yeah. do believe that there there are like a little essences from his game that relate to this player. Because when I look at Hardy, the thing that impresses me the most is his frame. Like I love how this kid oh, is yeah. a strong physical guard. Raw shoulders. Exactly. The shoulders yeah. are gigantic. And yeah. when I watch him play, I'm like, oh, he's only gonna get bigger and yeah. stronger. And once he gets his grown man strength, like I think when he yeah. attacks the rim, he already when he attacks the rim, he goes up there with physicality and he's going yeah. up there to either draw a foul or hurt somebody. And I love that. So yeah. for me, the the person that I can't shake because he was my absolute favorite guard in the 2000s was Gilbert Arenas. And the reason why I, I compare him now, I'm not saying he's He's going to be Gilbert, but I like that comp because of the physical nature that Gilbert had. And if Gilbert played in today's NBA, he would be taking those parking lot range threes all the time. 
you know? And then, of course, with Gilbert, he had the mid-range game. He wasn't going to be, like, he he wasn't, like, a pure point guard at all. He's a hybrid guard. He's a hybrid guard. Exactly. He's a hybrid guard. So when I watch watch Hardy, I'm like, okay, if Hardy keeps going at this trajectory with the body that this kid has, and I really like his legs. Like, I think he has really strong legs, and that's why he can shoot from so deep. I felt like Gilbert could be, like, that 1%. Um ceiling for him potentially now so, i i love the buddy healed one but that's just where my mind keeps going to so i see, see that's so i i played against gilbert the guy you know i'm old right so wow. me and gilbert <laughs> were me and gilbert were in golden state together in summer league so mm. i i got a chance to play against gilbert a lot here's the difference between gilbert and Jaden, and and, and, and and what gilbert is more a on ball guy yeah like mm, gilbert's okay. not an off ball guy at all the handle mm-hmm. is, is tighter. Yeah, way like his handle's crazy. Yeah. But they're they're built alike. Actually, Jaden is taller, taller than Gilbert. Gilbert's like six three and some change. Mm-hmm. Jaden is more closer to six five. Okay. Um, so I, I I like I like that trajectory, like you said, and I know you're basing that comp off of the, the, the decision making he was making when the ball was in his hands. Correct. If he can improve on that. Right. He could get to that trajectory. So I get what you're saying with that. But you have to think about NBA teams, right? If we mm. are, if we are, if we're if we're running the Detroit Pistons, right? We're drafting Jaden Hardy not to put the ball in his hands. Correct. Yeah. We don't want him to be Gilbert Arenas here. We got no. we got Grant Hill already yeah. here. Cade <laughs> is Grant Hill. Yeah. Jaden, you're gonna be our buddy Hill. We don't need you to be Gilbert Arenas. So it really depends if we're the Atlanta Hawks, right? We don't we don't need Jaden to be Gilbert Arenas. I need you to be Buddy Hill. Mm-hmm. I need you. I need you knocking. Down, I need you hitting thirty nine percent from three when Trey is getting double on these ball screens, right? So, I really believe that the the smart NBA team will get the most out of Jaden if they play him more like a Buddy Hill. Got it. I agree with you a hundred percent. And I'll say I, I saw him live in January. Um, probably the worst game he had ever played. It was a game where he went over 11, but you know, when I go see games and I'm watching stuff, I'm looking for process, not necessarily results. I would have, right, right. whether he scored 40 or whether he scored zero, that's not what I'm necessarily looking for. I want to see what's he like on the bench. What's yes. the routine? Like, you know, the, the little stuff that you don't get just by watching the broad. Yeah. Um, and I'll say when talking about his frame, like his shoulders, yeah, they're insane. crazy. And, and insane. I, he's gotten stronger. He looks like he's gotten stronger as the year has gone on. And I think that's yeah. one of the advantages to playing in the G League Ignite program, where you're just you're focused on basketball. You don't have to worry about going to class. Yeah. And look, I look, I didn't play D one high high level D one yeah. basketball. I don't know how many of these guys are taking real classes or not, and and, <laughs> and, and whatnot. But uh, the, you know, it, there's different distractions I'll, I'll say when you're on oh, a, a big campus right even just going to, to girls and stuff like you tons know of, the, tons of distractions tons. yeah you know so uh, that's one of the, you could tell like these guys are working on on their frames i think all those guys bochamp uh dyson daniels like all these guys look like they've made yeah. big strides as basketball yeah. players one right. thing i want to ask you about his shooting like uh, it was a very specific thing that i'm mm-hmm. uh, i'm wondering and it's a big trend. A lot of a lot of the kids shoot like this nowadays. They got that one motion shot, mm-hmm. right? Like, and I feel like this is a great shot for like in the gym with the trainer working, no defenders. But I feel like it's a little harder to do that thing where you got to kind of alter your shot because a guy's closing out. You got to move the now. You can't just do the uh, balls same motion yeah. every time. You got to you know yeah, adjust. Yeah, yeah. I feel like it's a little harder to do that. I feel like adjusting you know in high school one he's gonna be taller than most of the kids he's playing against he's just more athletic he's got the speed advantage at the high school level and like you said now nba level guys are closing out they're yeah. they're yeah. up on top they're yeah. way longer than you'd expect yeah. and i feel like that those one motion shots um sometimes it lends itself to i guess the ball landing a little short um, I feel like the release doesn't always get as high up. I feel like Tyrese Maxey, this was something that he had uh, coming into the league, which is why I think people struggled with him as a score. I'll say I had him top 10 coming into that draft, and I think it's it's proven that it's something you can adjust to yeah. um, when you get to yeah. the NBA. Is there anything to that? You think he's got to adjust his mechanics at all when he gets to the league? I just think he needs to 
just adjust to the actual game. You know, like I, I think he's good enough to just, you know, once you get a couple games under your belt, the film study kicks in mm-hmm. and, and the, the practicing against the other, you know, great players, you start picking up little tricks of the trade, right? And start figuring yeah. out, okay, this is how I get off this ball screen here. This is how I get open. This is how I get my shot off against this defender because the NBA is really like, and I, and I, and I had this conversation with Trey when he, was going into the NBA. I said, look, it's almost like you're a pitcher in baseball and you start, you're going to get on the mound and you got to face every hitter first before you start noticing what guys swing at certain pitches. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing with basketball. Like once you run the gauntlet once or twice, you start saying, okay, when I play against Kyle Kuzma, this is the way he defends me. Right. When I play against Jimmy Butler, this is the way he defends me. Good luck. When I- so, you know, so it's like you start figuring out the guys you're playing against and how they move mm-hmm. for that to make things happen. So to answer your question, he will adjust. Mm-hmm. You just got to run the gauntlet a couple of times. You got to get 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 around the racetrack a few times yeah. and figure it out. OK, this is not going to work uh, 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 against Jimmy Butler or I can't drive going right against Bam at a bio on that because he always gets that ball. Like you start figuring guys yeah. out. Mm hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I think you're I think you're spot on. And I think he's shown that he's learning that as the season's gone on. And that's why if you look at the game log for the last five or so games, you're starting to see more of the player that I think people expected coming into the season. Now, I know you got to get out of here. So but before you do, I do want to talk about your book, Um, the evolutions being televised. So first of all, I'm a big art guy. The art looks fantastic. So thank you. you. Know, big ups on, on that and whoever thank you worked you. with as, as the yeah. illustrator. And if it was you, you, man, you got, you know, it wasn't me. <laughs> yeah. I know. <laughs> I'm not that gifted brother. Look, <laughs> um, what was, uh, the reason that you decided you wanted to write a book? Man. Um, one thing about the artwork before we get into it, that oh, absolutely, that actual, uh, thumbprint on the, cover that's actually my thumbprint let's go so love that i i i I have gave it to my graphic guy i had to go put my thumb on the print and then i had to scan it send it to Mm -hmm. him so that's actually my 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 thumbprint so that's not a generic print Mm -hmm. so i just think that's symbolic with the book it's you you. that's, that's my actual fingerprint um but you know i'm i'm a communications major you know i'm a liberal arts graduate so i've always been a writer by trade from a kid like i've Mm -hmm. always i've always loved to read books i've always loved to write so this is something that has always been in me from day one even just writing you guys know that when you write evaluate when you wait uh evaluations you're writing oh yeah absolutely you 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 write 50 evaluations that's a book (laughs) yeah (laughs) you're talking to somebody who launched his own magazine here so you know like it's we're writers by trade right like so for me to write a book it was uh it was something that i've always wanted to do um it's a it's a hell of a process i was gonna ask you about that oh my god it's a hell of a process you have to be very very disciplined Mm. um you got to know how to stay on subject matter and not drift um, there's a lot to it. And, uh, for me, I started really thinking about writing a book right around 2011. Mm. And that was right when Steph Curry started to, yeah, to really kind of like ascend. Right. Yeah. And I told myself, I got to wait a little longer to write this book because I had to let allow evolution to run its course. So right around, so if I would have released this book in 2012, it wouldn't have been the right time. Too early. It's too early, right? Yeah. So I've been sitting on this idea literally for what is it, 2022 now? So yeah, 10 years. I sat years. on this idea for 10 years. So this is not something I just woke up out of the bed one day and was like, I'm gonna just write a book. Mm-hmm. Like I, I actually literally had to watch evolution run its course and kind of chronicle the evolution as it's running its course. And then turn it into a book. Uh, look, man, uh, writing writing in and of itself, even if you're just writing an article for a blog post, right, is, is grueling. Mm. So to put that to 
as many pages as it takes to fill a book. Oh man. Like you said, you gotta be, you gotta be disciplined for that. Um, Tell people about the concept of the book outside of just it being about evolution. Cause this is something that you've been uh, at the forefront of, you know, in, in this space. Yeah, absolutely. So the the book the book holds a lot of hidden messages. So this is why this book is going to be really fun for readers because I leave you hidden messages throughout the book. And then it's one of those books where you're going to like you're going to text me or tweet me like I just caught that in this chapter, you know. Mm-hmm. Um but the the book basically talks about obviously the position metric is the main right is the main theme of it all. Because when we look at basketball as a whole, there's no way that we can say that the game of basketball only has five positions. It's just, it's, it's, we're past that. Yeah. We're just past that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I tell these never heard before stories about players that fit these position metrics. Um, and I also tell my story in unison with the book at the same time. So I identify myself. I talk about how I was pigeonholed into another slot that I didn't fit and Mm -hmm. how me trying to appease you guys, you evaluators (laughs) who slotted me as a, a position that I actually wasn't. And it actually cost me a lot of my career. And I talk about how it has it has hurt a lot of other guys' careers because we've been so conditioned to only slot players in five positions. How many yeah. times have you guys seen dudes argue in a barbershop about Steph Curry being better than Magic Johnson? Yeah. It's, you go to any barbershop in the country, you're going to find some variation of that conversation with yes. some with whether it's magic and, and Steph or you know yes. whoever it's what is some variation of that and 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 it's like I, I I've sat back and watched that and I've collected the data and I've been able to kind of rearrange the legacies of guys that have been lost in those arguments mm. and I and I talk about the evolution of the world how we've went from look how we're talking now. This is evolution. Yeah. Right. Right. So we couldn't do this 30 years ago. No. So I talk about the the evolution of the world as well. It's not just sports. I'm talking about how the cell phone was created, how TVs I grew up with TVs being black and white. Like mm. I'm the perfect age because I have literally grown up with evolution. I was born in 78. So I grew up when TVs were black and white and then they went to color mm. and then they, we had the big fat back TVs and then they went mm-hmm. to flat screens and then they went to HD and now we're at 4k, right? Like yeah. I've grown up with evolution. Yeah. The, the, the three point line started in 1979. Like, so I grew up with the three point line, which is, right. which has evolved the game with Steph Curry, who has revolutionized the three-point line, which I grew up with. So the book has a lot of hidden, deep meanings that guys like yourselves are going to really love it because it's really digging into the anatomy of the game and it's digging into the anatomy of the player. So it's like an Ancestry.com of sports. <laughs> You're right. Like, it's yeah, really I mean, deep, man. It's such a fun crazy. book. I mean, you you look at a team like the Raptors who eventually are going to have five guys on the floor that are six foot eight, six foot nine, yeah. 10 years, 10 years, 15 years ago, they get labeled as tweeners and half Correct. those guys probably don't get drafted until the second round or whatever. And yes. now all anybody wants are, are tweeners, right? Like, right. you know, so it's funny how quickly things do evolve in the NBA, how quickly things do change. And, and I mean, I, I think that, not only are players going to, I think players are still going to be misevaluated for years. I, it's going to, I think, you know, you're, you might be early still. Um, yeah. The book, to <laughs> yeah. be honest. <laughs> no, I think I may be a little early, but I, I do think that this positions metric in the, in this book will solve a lot of, there's a lot of gray area, right? Yeah. I talked about the word tweener in the book and I, and I use the word mm. tweener. That's really a bad word. It's really a bad word in the sports world. Like nobody wants to be called that. 
not. I don't want to be between two things that yeah, you're stuck between two things that people don't want and, and yeah. they're not that. <laughs> like that's it's what like, they use it as. Yeah, it's like the Bermuda Triangle, right? Like you don't want to <laughs> get lost in that, right? So the word I, I address the word tweener in my book as how evaluators use that, but it it, it it's a negative word. So Draymond Green was called the tweener. Yep. Right. Mm-hmm. But he was really a hybrid post. But since we couldn't find, we didn't know what to, we didn't know what his position was, right? So we just gave him a bad name. Well, he's right. a tweener. Draymond hates to be called that, by the way. Well, I won't call him that, so don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I know better not to make him upset. Yeah, if he's I ever kind of the wrong conversation. Dude. Yeah, he's kind of the wrong dude to have that kind of a conversation. Yeah, right. Right. Before I let you get out of here, I want. Do you think there are any prospects in this class that are being mislabeled and it's hurting who they are as players? Wow, that's a great question. Um, I have to really. Yeah, I'm putting you on the spot here. Yeah, you are. You are. Well, I'm going to think of, yes, like, uh, let's just take Chet Holmgren, right? Like, yeah. Like, he's called, they call him a power forward. He's not a power forward. He's a hybrid post. Not a lot Mm. of power. Coming yeah, from chat. <laughs> there's nothing power about him, right? But they're called. You see some things that says power forward, right? Yeah. And then you see one that says he's a small forward. But again, it's it's the conditioning of. He's also not small, have, right? We only have five. Nothing small. We, <laughs> we only have five choices to put him in, right? So we're just right. we're just throwing him in slots that don't fit him. Yeah. But he can he can fit in two slots. He can be a stretch big or a hybrid post. He's one of those, but he's not yeah. a power forward and he's not a small forward. Right. No. So he would fit. He fits as a hybrid post in my metric. Interesting. Yeah. He, I mean, because traditionally people are going to label him as a kind of a center, too. And I don't know if that's fair that's to the way he, he plays either. None of the five. Yeah. Can I just say one thing before we let Rashad go? I, I just want to say, Rashad, like I when I came upon the positions that you created, it was so ingenious to me because what have we seen in like the last five to eight years right in the nba because of exactly what you're talking about because people and analysts could not exactly label these players within those five positions they started create creating this new term where they're calling players or calling the league like positionless basketball right and saying oh this is it's because we don't know what draymond is and he can do all these different things that we have positionless basketball and then when i saw your list of different positions i was like oh this is so genius because to just say positionless basketball feels so lazy exactly and the fact that you created these extra or sorry more detailed more defined positions for the growing range of players that are in the league and as you as the name of your book entails like evolution I think it's so smart that you created that because it really does challenge people to think a little bit more. And instead of just saying positionless, you go, okay, there's something like a hybrid post or a hybrid guard or all these things. So I just, I just want to say, dude, I'm I'm a huge fan of yours and and that you did that. And I think it's, it it just takes a lot of creativity and to be honest, some work for you to create these things. And so I respect it a lot, man. Well, you guys, I, I really appreciate that, Albert. But you, you two both know because you're in that world of evaluating. So you guys know how difficult it is to watch film and be like, okay, you're trying to label the guy, but it's right. only five choices. Like, how do you label a guy with only five choices? So I really wanted to help the world of evaluators too. I wanted to make our jobs easier. You're right. Awesome. Like, you mm-hmm. look at Carl Anthony Towns. He's not a center. He's a stretch big. It's okay. Yeah. yeah. It's simple. Right. Don't call him positionless. He's a stretch big. Yeah, he's, he's on the floor. He's playing a position. It's okay. <laughs> yeah. That's right. You know, guy but, like me in my men's league is positionless. I'm on the bench in my men's league because I'm old now. You know, that, <laughs> that's positionless. Man, I, I, here's my position in the men's league that I play in. No defense. Like, I don't play no defense. Like, that's <laughs> – I'm the, a, I'm I'm a cherry picker. That's defense what they call is a me. young man's game. <laughs> defense is a young man's game. I I played pickup for a couple hours yesterday. I couldn't walk the next oh day. Oh my god! Uh, me, being in your mid thirties not fun. So yeah, I will say too though, it, it's not just the NBA. I see it all the time at the grassroots level. You know, um, you know, on Long Island, coaching 
half the time you see these kids that oh you're the big kid so you're just you're going to be the center or whatever right. and it's like especially you know at, at the grassroots level there's so many you know old school coaches that are that are still they've been in the same spot for so long they don't want to evolve themselves they want to just do what they've been doing right they, they're comfortable um so it, it's not just something with the nba i think if you're involved at, at any level you're seeing yes how yes. it could negatively affect kids and look there's a lot of really talented kids that even if they're not going d1 yeah they could still get themselves money at a d3 school some you know or a d2 school and a lot of kids can can be affected by this you know i, so- I agree and <laughs> And that's what my book actually, my book actually covers, like, it's not, my book is not just for pros. Like it covers the grassroots all the way up. Like this book covers, this book helps parents. This book helps Mm -hmm. coaches, scouts, evaluators, basketball players. Like it's one of the, it's one of those books that covers everybody. Like everybody's going to feel like I can get something out of this book. You yeah. know, and that's what it is. I didn't want to make it a one track book where it only serves one purpose because then you're just talking mm-hmm. to one set of people. I wanted to I wanted to serve the entire culture of basketball with this book. So that's why it's going to be so accepted. You know, you're going to get pushback from people that just don't like evolution. Look, I had a I had a Blackberry when iPhone came out and I was like, I'm not getting an iPhone. <laughs> I'm not. Getting, I was like the old man that was mad that didn't want. Like I, I love my BlackBerry. I'm sticking to this, and then mm-hmm. here I am today. <laughs> you, everybody's yeah. It's me today. So if you got a BlackBerry now. You're uh, <laughs> something's wrong. <laughs> evolution is inevitable. Evolution yeah. is undefeated. Um, it's inevitable, and we have to. We either have to adapt. Or we just gonna get left behind, and that's what this book is. You can be bitter, and I'm not. I don't. I'm not reading that, or I'm not listening to that. Okay, well, the game is gonna adopt it in the next three or four years. It's gonna be. It's gonna be on. You can still have your BlackBerry in four years if you want to. Everybody else will be on Facetime. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean the game's. It's it's evolving now. That's <laughs> it, what it is. It's evolving now. Uh, it, so, uh, look, man, I appreciate you coming on. Tell the people where they can find your book. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, we'll let you get out of here. We appreciate, yeah, appreciate the it. amount of time you gave us. No, you guys were awesome. I appreciate it. People can reach me on um, Twitter at RP3Natural. Um, you can find me on Instagram, uh, Rashad Phillips 2319. And you can pre-order my book, The Evolution is Being Televised, at my website, sportstalk2319.com. The orders are coming in left and right. And I just can't wait to share this book with everybody. It's just going to be such an amazing read for for you guys. The artwork, the amount of work that you know that I put into it is, I mean, it's I I, I really did all of my research when I wrote this book. Well, I'm excited to read it. If you if you decided that you wanted to uh, make some some prints to sell of, of some of the artwork in the book, you know. I, I I wouldn't hate that. So, so yeah, you know, a little idea for you. Little, yeah, little yeah, I, I will. I I have my artist. He's he's one of the best. He's definitely going to be selling some prints because yeah. he has some art, some the, he has, the artist dope. That's that's nothing. I have nothing to do with that. That's all him. I actually I actually told him what kind of pictures I wanted. I said I want yeah. Trey Young with the shiver pose. Like I picked the poses, but mm-hmm. I have nothing to do with the drawings. Like that's all Matt. He's fantastic. Well, it's dope. You uh, continuously do dope stuff in Thank in the space, and and you do you, you know. So yeah. and 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 that's valuable. That that that's very valuable right now with a lot of people that are uh, trying yeah. to be other versions of other people. Originality yeah. is is what we need in this space. And that's why that's why I love your platform because you just do your own thing. Like you just like I'm just gonna I'm just gonna do my thing. Whatever you like it, you like it. If you don't, you don't. So yeah. that's why it was an honor to be on your your show. You and Albert, you guys are fantastic dudes. And uh, let's circle back once the book comes out, once you Absolutely. guys have it in hand, once you guys <laughs> read it, we're going to circle back. And I'm sure you guys going to have all these different things you want to ask me after reading the book. Absolutely. And uh, we'll we'll book that. You'll you'll be back and we'll have a real roundtable discussion on it in, a, in an in-depth way. I'm looking forward to that. But appreciate you coming on, man. Uh, you know, enjoy uh, March Madness and all, oh, yeah. you know, big game oh, yeah. tonight. My yeah. guys at Rutgers. So, yeah. uh yeah, appreciate you coming on, man. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Have a good one. You too.
All right, Albert. All right. Look, we didn't finish this Jaden Hardy discussion, y'all. Mm-hmm. We still have a whole other side of the ball to discuss. Oh, yeah. So let's get into it. Talk to me about Jaden Hardy, the defender. Mm. All right. So I was really optimistic. And even offensively, there are a lot of different things that I still wanted to talk about. But no, I, I get it. We have to do both sides. And I think defensively is where I'm not as in love uh, with mm. him. Is sure. that is that the best way to put it? Fair. Um, look, I, the, the thing is for me, like I'm still hoping because I, I'm just so like infatuated sounds weird but like i I just really like his frame a lot and i'm hoping he's gonna get better at leveraging his frame and size and i think he even has decent length i I haven't seen any of his measurables he's long right yeah reported six nine wingspan when i I heard him uh in an interview say i think he had a six eleven wingspan i'm pretty sure he said that i i don't know if that's true i think he also said he was close to six six and when i saw him in person i thought he was like six three ish so you know i don't know what he's going to measure at but Mm -hmm. he does have a great frame and he does have great length so whether he's six three or six five like Mm -hmm. he's still um going to be able to i think guard different spots due to his length and his frame so yeah i mean like once again like the frame i do like a lot it's it's great to hear that his length it makes sense because what i saw on screen like i was like oh okay the one thing that i did like there to be totally honest, Corey, there wasn't a lot that I liked about him defensively, <laughs> but the one thing that I did like, I think he's like averaging over his steal per game and you see it, like you see it in the games. Mm-hmm. Like he's trying to get into passing lanes. He's trying to get, you know, a little klepto with his hands and try to stick his hands in there for steals and stuff, which I like. I do like. It's just the other stuff wasn't always the most fun to watch. And like even man like i don't know if it's like the way that they decided to play i I definitely don't think it's the competition level but you know there there are there were some not so pretty moments with him both on ball and off ball uh was kind of where my evaluation landed and i was hoping for more but at the same time like when i think back to like his aau stuff which was like kind of a nightmare train wreck um I guess I was kind of like happy that he was trying to do more with like getting steals and stuff like that. But I think definitely the defensive side of the ball with him left you wanting a lot more. Yeah. And yeah. so he averaged 1.3 steals per game this year. His last four games, four steals, one steal, three steal, three steal. So that's pretty good. Yeah. Steals yeah. are not the uh, end all be right. all metric for what makes a good defender or not. And, you know, he still is prone to doing some of the same things, like you said, with the AAU stuff where he's like, uh, like Shad said, he plays defense, cherry picking. Jaden Hardy's too young to be cherry picking, right? Yeah. Or he, he's trying to do that thing where the, the poke away thing, right? Where he's yeah. he, he's going to let the guy go by him and just try to use his wrap around. away. That yeah. stuff works at the high school level sometimes. Didn't even work all the time. Right. Uh, it doesn't work at the NBA level where you need to contain. Like you need to... Uh, lead your man into the help just letting a blow by happen is going to be disastrous for against nba players like you can't reach around a guy like steph curry or or her trey young or or you know any of the bradley beal zach levine you can't do that these guys are, are way too good as scorers decision makers to take those chances so the discipline is where i think he really needs to to shore it up um because he has the frame he's got the frame to be a good defender and you know i I think there are improvements across the board but like the nba is a different beast because you know we talked about the adjusting to the speed of the game from high school going to play in the g league right there's another huge jump when you go from the g league to the nba and you see how long it took jalen green to adjust to that speed and Jalen yeah. Green, by in and of itself, is like unbelievably athletic and and, and quick. And I thought that Jalen Green was a much better defender for the Ignite last year than than Jalen's been. So right. that side of the ball is going to be a process for him. And I think when yeah. you look at opportunities for him to get on the floor, you know, we said his draft stock is in the twenties, right? Regardless of mm-hmm. of where any of us may personally have him. And honestly, I'm a little bit confused and I don't know where exactly to, to, to put him. Um, yeah. I could see him going in the lottery. I could see him falling down to the twenties. 
based on where he lands, he may not have the freedom. Mm. You know, if he slides, you can't make those mistakes. You're not going to find opportunities to get on the floor because if you slide, you're going to be on a veteran team who is probably trying to make a playoff push. And that kind of stuff's not going to, not going to help very few teams are willing to you know uh develop you in real time against nba level competition when they're trying to win games so you know in order for that to happen he's going to have to really excel as an offensive player and i think there's going to be an adjustment there as we've seen you know him struggle with efficiency at times Mm -hmm. or most of the time in the g league off the ball you know that stuff's going to be hard yeah because really hard it's that's I, i think it's you know, one of the hardest things to yes. get comfortable with in, in the NBA is mm-hmm. you have to make decisions quickly uh-huh. you know? uh, and not, not even quickly. Like you have to anticipate the decisions you're going to make. A lot of times you have to know right. where the ball is going to swing, who it's swinging to. If Correct. what happens, if, if you see the ball swing from one side of the court to the other, where are you running to versus where are you going? If the ball just skips one pass away, like all of these things, <clears throat> unbelievably hard. I think, I think the defense is, is uh ways away for him a hundred percent agree and the off-ball stuff like i love that you just said that Corey, because i've been thinking about that a lot just on my own like a freaking weirdo but i was just (laughs) thinking like (laughs) like making those rotations right and anticipating knowing when to pinch like knowing when you know like to flash like knowing the personnel on the other team like all that stuff seems like such like I have so much respect for pro basketball players because, like, even watching in Vegas, watching yeah. the college basketball players in a tighter court, like, you know, three-point line is much tighter. So it's they're not playing with a lot of space in college basketball. But even then, like, watching the defenses make these decisions and rotating quickly and then, like, watching the offensive players that are good reacting to that quickly and making the right reads and stuff like that, I'm like, like, to, I hate the this, like, misnomer that athletes are, like, Dude, athletes are, you have to be really freaking smart to be a really good athlete, especially at that level. And I'm just like watching these guys and I'm like, you guys are so instinctual, but also so smart because you're processing so many things and so many concepts and like all that coaching and everything. And you're putting that all into action. I was like, you guys are freaking awesome. But anyway, um, going back to Hardy, I think with his off ball stuff, like I'm, I'm with you, man. I think part of it is effort. Part of it is concentration. Part of it is... I don't know. Does he have a little diva in him? Like he thinks he's like the main guy on offense. So he kind of takes a little break and breather on defense at times. Um, I don't want to accuse him of that, but once again, I like, I, I, yeah, I think he's got to grow and I don't think it's something that he's going to be bad at. Like, I just think it's something he needs to work on and get better. And especially if he wants to be a really, really great NBA player, I think it's fair to say he's got to improve on that end. I, it, it's more than fair and it's a necessity. It's a necessity because right. more and more, even with, you know, big time scorers, like yeah. in this day and age, these guys are being held accountable for what they bring on both sides of the floor. You have to be a two way player to be one of the elite players in this league. And I don't know if Jaden Hardy is going to be an elite player in this league. I would probably bet against that. Um, but I, I think that he needs to at least get to the point where he's going to be and project to be an adequate defender. Um, Correct. Especially, you know, because there are questions about his offensive game. Where do you have a landing spot for him that you think would really uh, maximize your return on investment? Because he has such a wide gap in in range of teams that he could possibly go to given where his draft stock is that I think like, there, we're not just looking at the teams at the top of the draft. You might be looking at some of the better teams too. Um, wow, that's actually a really tough question. I, okay, can I throw this one at you and see what you think? Because, Absolutely. like, even offensively, I know we had Rashad on and we talked about the shooting. But for me, like, when I was watching him play, like his mid-range pull-up game, like I like that he likes to go with it a lot. But he shoots on the way down a lot on his mm-hmm. mid-range jumper, and he misses short a lot. Yeah. Another thing that I noticed with him, when he attacks a basket on drives, he does not protect the ball well at all. This guy gets stripped attacking the rim a lot. Yes. I think Turn he needs to from. go to the right. He needs to go to the Stefan Marbury school of locking up the ball with two hands when you attack Running the rim. Style. Right, because he's getting stripped a lot. With that in mind, though, 
if we consider the role that you and Rashad mentioned as like a secondary guy who yeah. can, can do a little with the ball in his hands and is growing in that area of the game. And for me, I'm still very optimistic that he can improve his handle and improve the decision-making and the passing and stuff like that. Now, of course, he, he doesn't have a lot of shake. And that's something I, I did want to say to kind of kind of correct myself with the whole Hibachi Agent Zero comp. What do you like? I feel like Memphis is a good good place for him to be where yeah. if he's playing off of jaw as a shooter number one and then number two as a secondary creator because i kind of feel like it would be nice if the if the grizzlies had another creator like not not to say that you know the, the other guys on their team can't create but like a little bit more advanced and i think right. hardy is that where hardy is shot making correct you don't want hardy to be your number one option but if he's your number two and can eventually grow into like a 1b option on your team that's really exciting so i was thinking memphis and if he can develop maybe in his rookie year he's kind of coming off the bench you know developing dropping down to the g league once in a while whatever and then in his sophomore year takes a jump third year takes another jump by the time john is is in his prime hardy might be ready to be his running mate so that's right. kind of where my head went. I like I like Memphis, and they have multiple picks in this draft. Um, they have three picks, so even if they don't take him at 11 and he slides a little bit, maybe they package 24 and 29 to move up and, and get him, take a swing on him, similar to what they did with Zaire Williams last year. Right. It's clear, even though you know historically they take a lot of these uh, older guys who kind of you know are going to be good players, they, they swung and and for Zaire last year because they're at a point where they can take those chances. So I, I think Memphis could be fun. Um, I think Dallas would be good, similarly Oof. to, you know, Luca just draws so much attention that, you know, it's kind of he, he'd be in that Tim Hardaway Jr. role early on. And, uh, you know, maybe he's got a little bit more potential to kind of maximize beyond what Tim Hardaway Jr., became but Tim Hardaway Jr. made a lot of money as as a instant offense scorer so I, I, don't, I don't know if that's necessarily a bad outcome for him either and you know the role could be fairly similar to to Buddy Heald even though I think Buddy Heald is a little bit better at like running off screens and he's a little, little smoother in that regard but I, I think one of these spots that he's not going to have that that pressure I think that's right. that's where you're going to really maximize your right. your ROI all right, it's time mm. for the world's favorite segment. <laughs> Albert, it's time to sell me this pen on Jaden Hardy. Uh, Bic, Apple, Pilot, whoever, you guys need to sponsor us. The hell is going on? Come on, guys. Vape pens? Smart. Even a vape pen. Like, some, I don't Come know. On. Something. Exactly. <laughs> that, yeah, vape pens. Hit us up, dude. You know, whatever it is. But here we go. I'm, I'm going to sell you this pen. Jaden Hardy is a guy, as I mentioned, is a guy that I, I just continue to be irrationally high on. And this is the crazy thing is this is our second pod on him. We yes. did him preseason. And at that time, he was number one on both of our boards. We made a boner and joke out of it. We did. We did. And I, I just can't, I can't shake this feeling that I think the kid is going to be a really, really good basketball player. And look, I, I get that there are limitations. But if I'm selling you this pen, guys, this guy has range. If you watch his legs, the guy has strong and he has kind of bouncy legs. Like when you see him take a step back, his step back is really quick. And it's very, it's, it's weird to call it describe it this way. He kind of has a perky step back. It's just like mm. a quick little step back that looks good. And I enjoy it a lot. And I think the shooting's gonna like he can shoot from anywhere. And I think the mid-range game is only gonna get better. I think he leans back a little bit. He shoots on the way down a little bit in the mid-range game. But I like that it's a part of his arsenal. It's something that he enjoys doing. And when we when we look at the elite scores in the NBA, they all have a mid-range game. And I think Hardy's gonna be there with them with insane range. Even now, like him attacking the rim, yeah, he does create a lot of turnovers, doesn't protect the ball well. I would like him to be, you know, a little bit more efficient, draw more fouls, but it's it, he's it's there like he's willing to go to the rim he has a great frame so when you start to put these things together and he's a developing playmaker passer as well there's a lot of potential there that i think 
will he'll look really different on the NBA level because I once again I really do think he's asked to do a lot of things that he's just not comfortable to do uh, with doing in the G League mm-hmm. and so once he's put in a role where he's able to shine a little bit more and show off some of the stuff that he's actually good at and given more time to develop in his weaknesses without having like the burden and responsibility to be the number one guy I we could be talking about a really, really good NBA player. So for me, that's the reason why I can't can't move him out of my top 10, and I continue to be really, really high on him. I think you did a good job selling us uh, on, on Jaden Hardy. And I, I think, you know, I, I really needed this discussion personally because I've been I've been wavering on him a, a little bit. He's, I mean, he was the number one guy on my board. And, right. uh, you know, when we were doing our, 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 our big boards for – for no ceilings um, for our composite board that we just, just put on the site, you know, I, I kept going, all right, I want to move him up. You know, I, I want, I want to get him back down to this range that I feel like, you know, he's more comfortable at. I, I don't want this one year to be the only, you know, where he struggled or whatever, even though he's shown progressions to, you know, drop him so far. I don't want to overreact. And then I look at some of the players I had ahead of them and I'm like, but I really like this player too. And that's the struggle because a lot of guys have shown things that we weren't expecting. So I think Hardy's going to be one of the the tougher evals that I've had. And I think at the end of the day, it comes down to expectation for him. And, and if I, you know, coming into the year where I thought he was like this Dame Lillard, Jason Tatum hybrid, where I thought he was going to be this elite scorer, Obviously, that isn't. I don't hold that belief anymore, but I do think he can be Buddy Healed, and I think there's value to that. And if you look at Buddy Healed's draft, regardless of where what spot he was drafted at, there aren't there probably is not going to be 14 guys better than him, right? Looking back, right, in the class, and that's how I approach a lot of my thought process. You know, it's why I was high on Cam Thomas, Josh Christopher last year, uh, it's why I'm high on Ryan Rollins from Toledo this year because I think that like there are easily identifiable roles for guys who play like that um and I think a lot of times they tend to hit more than I think we think so Hardy's like you know in in that upper echelon group of as far as talent goes so why am I having a hard time with Hardy when with Cam and Josh Christopher last year I was so was so certain and that unease Mm -hmm. that I have in my my stomach when I'm making his evaluation is what I'm struggling with because so much of it is like outside. It's not necessarily even the numbers. A lot of it is just eye test stuff, but I also see the positives and it's what makes it so confusing for me. So Hardy's going to be a guy that I'm going to wrestle with, I think for the next, you know, almost three, three, three months in a week uh, Mm -hmm. until draft night to really get a handle on him. And I have to watch his, his games, I think like 10 times each to, to really, figure out how I truly feel about him. Cause as I wrote for my article earlier in, in this year at no ceilings, you know, similar to um, the saved by the bell, probably the most popular episode they've ever done. I'm so excited. I'm so scared. I don't know how to feel. I'm Jesse mm. Spano in regards to Jaden Hardy. <laughs> Are we showing our age here with these types of references? No, nah, saved by the bell is a classic. <laughs> I think that saved by the bell has to, just be a a, a class i mean it's on netflix uh, hulu i, I think that's true. every i think every generation is going to have a a say by the bell moment mm-hmm. there's the, they did the remake they did the remake yeah. on, on peacock so peacock. maybe there's a little resurgence i think i watched two episodes i gotta i gotta finish that it wasn't it was mm. fine Tell the people where they can find you. Uh, you can find me at Alberto Gim on Twitter. Also at GTGNBA. Um, do want to say it was it was awesome having Rashad on. Yes. Um, I, I think it's the guy's a really interesting mind. Um, the way that he thinks about basketball, the way that he thinks about life seems to be, you know, not of, you know, he's not like a cookie cutter type of guy. And I can really yeah. respect that. Like, I've, I think at Corey, you're the same, like you guys are really creative people. And I really respect people who can think outside the box and challenge the norm. So it was really cool to have him on and hear him talk about Hardy and stuff and the perspective that he gave us as, you know, Hardy as a professional player and not a college player, which was really cool. But um, yeah, you can find me at no ceilings NBA. I haven't written in a while. I think I've last wrote like beginning of February, but I should be writing soon again. I think I've just been, 
so overwhelmed with work and uh, doing pods and stuff like that. But I, I am working on something uh, that should be fun that yeah. I, I'm going to wait a little bit because I realize I want to wait till a little bit after because it doesn't really make sense right now timing wise. But I'll be back, guys. I, I want to write again. So I'll be doing that soon. You heard it here first. He'll be back with a mystery fun thing. <laughs> I'm. Uh, you can find me at Corey Tulliba on Twitter, NBA Draft Dude on YouTube, uh, written work at No Ceilings NBA. Tomorrow, or if you're listening to this, probably today, I'm releasing um, an article on Yan Montero, the overtime elite, who is another guy similar to Hardy who just kind of mysterious and uh, needed to dive deeper into his film to get a, a feel for him. Uh, we just released both a updated top 60 big board and a first round mock at no ceilings this week. So make sure to check those out for, uh, for the, the squad's rankings. And, you know, with March madness, I mean, we're, we're pumping stuff out literally every day. I mean, you gotta, you gotta follow no ceilings uh, NBA on Twitter because we're doing such fun stuff, you know, on selection Sunday, we did a live stream with the entire crew so get on board the no ceilings train because it's going to keep rolling and uh, the momentum's picking up faster and faster as we get closer to draft night. It's going to be a lot of fun stuff in store. Uh, appreciate you guys for rocking with us. You know, throw us a rating if you're so inclined and you haven't done that Come yet. On. You do it on Spotify and Apple. Um, but we appreciate everybody listening and uh, to our nonsense for, for as long as you have. You guys are the best and we'll be back next week. Peace. Peace.